Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Navigation system. Please say a command. On. Ignition. Powered. Seatbelts. Fastened. Shift, drive. Twin City sports fans, hold on tight. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, this is the Ride with Royce. He's going the distance. He's going for speed. Friday Fun Fest is back, and today's musical guest to kick us off for the 2018 series of musical guests, Linda Ronstead the all-time great uh, female vocalist, Linda Ronstead, born in Arizona, 1946. Uh, she, her first group was the Stone Ponies, and it was uh, kind of a folksy type of an approach uh, with a guy she had met uh, earlier, uh, a folk singer named Bob Kimmel, and uh, also Kenny Edwards. That They were the Stone Ponies, and then she became a solo act out in... Los Angeles, and uh, of course, uh, that's where she became famous as a solo act. And her backup uh, musicians included a couple guys named Don Henley and Glenn Fry. Oh, just a, a couple of guys, yeah. Just yeah. a couple of guys like that, and they all give they uh, Fry and Henley give credit to her. They came to her and said, "Hey, you know, we'd like to kind of go out on our own in a different band." And she not only encourage that told them how to do it uh famous is a, a wonderful person to work with now she didn't write her own stuff everything all of her great hits basically are covers of uh of other songs or songs that were obviously written for her but uh just uh, absolutely f- fabulous and uh she of course now and later in life is uh, really uh, has trouble with parkinson's and doesn't go out in public in fact when she was finally named to the uh, rock and roll hall of fame uh fry uh, showed up and uh, made the presentation for her, uh who you know glenn fry no longer with us unfortunately one uh thing glenn fry mentioned in that little, I was looking again at that little uh, speech he made for her at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame a few years back. And he mentioned that when Linda first became, you know, she was at the Troubadour and all those places in L.A. And he, I think, like most guys who were around Linda, they took an interest, right? They, oh, yeah. they wouldn't have minded dating her. <laughs> You know, getting in the back seat of the Chevy and making out something, you know, something like that. But he got beat out. He said... A guy that was a step ahead of him was uh, J.D. Souther. And uh, J.D. Souther was also a musician around there. And I got, so I'm now I'm looking up J.D. Souther. You're not going to believe this, guys. 
tomorrow night, Hopkins, Minnesota. Come on. 8 o'clock, J.D. South. At the Performing Arts Center? At the Performing Arts Center. Get out of here. Wow. So I'm doing, I had picked out Linda as the first uh, Friday Fun Fest musical guest of 2018. And then I ran, and then I have to look this guy up because I didn't know that much about him. And when I popped to his page, he's listing his appearances, and there it is. Tomorrow night, Hopkins. Now, so, yeah, you know, so if Suits was there, you know what he'd say? What? J.D., can I ask you about Linda Ronstadt? <laughs> <laughs> they were an item for about three years. Uh, and apparently when you read stuff like her Playboy interview from years and years ago, even though she didn't confirm it, he was the love of her life. And uh, she never really, she never got married. She never did get married. But her boyfriends have included Aaron Neville for uh, four years, George Lucas, Jim Carrey, Governor Jerry Brown of she California. She dated Jim Carrey? I did not know that. Jim Carrey, briefly. Wow. Mick Jagger, a couple of years, but who hasn't, you know? Right. Here's yeah. the one I never heard about. Albert Brooks. Come on. For three, couple really? of years, 1974, 1976. Talk about a mismatch. Albert Brooks no and Linda Ronstead. You know, back uh, to the uh, the you know what you know when he was sweating in the in the uh, in the movie there. Uh, what was the movie that he was uh, the famous movie with uh, William Hurt and uh, Broadcast News? Is it Broadcast? News? Is it Broadcast News? And uh, he's they, they they give him a chance to to anchor and he just sweats like it's a pig. Got the that flop, was probably, sweat like that was probably like fair. he was when he first called up Linda and asked for a date. <laughs> right. Steve Martin briefly. Oh. J.D. Souther, uh, John Bolin, a producer, and it says Bill Murray, but they don't name any date. Uh, so that might have been a one You know what deal, we've discovered but... then? Linda Ronstead is the Derek Jeter. She's got <laughs> yes. the Derek Jeter roster. I wonder if she gave him a gift basket when they left. I, I got a hunch they presented back, the dick, get, gift basket. Back but... to the uh, the separation of Glenn Fry. You know what, what that is, don't you guys? That's the... The trade that worked out well for both teams. Angle. Yes, it ah, did. Yeah, yeah the yeah, Eagles, yeah. it worked out well for them. But they, uh, she, uh, of course, uh, could sing, uh, you know, country songs, any kind of song you want. And her her early music was because of her uh, Mexican heritage and her uh, father uh, was a ukulele player. And, uh, no, her mother was a ukulele player. Her father played the guitar. And uh, they they were just a family that grew up singing, and she uh, she developed a great talent. Have you ever seen a show done at that Hopkins Performing Arts Center? Yeah, I've it's cool. not. I've seen. Is that that's different than the Children's Theater? Right? It's very There's yeah. It's different. Place. They're in the same. I they think they're in the same okay. building, but it's a different. It's a different spot. I uh, we went to some uh, thing with the grandkids. I can't remember what it was. That's but, a cool uh, place. It really is. Yeah, it is. Well, I got him. And uh, you know who wrote her first hit, Different Drum, for the uh, Stone Ponies? Michael Nesmith from the Monkees. Come on. That's, uh, if you find out a lot of stuff. You know, the, anyway, the traffic the, guy was very nervous, by the way, when we mentioned that Linda Ronstadt was going to be the, the Friday Fun Fest you, musical you guest. You scared me, Pat. Mm-hmm. He's like, why? Right. What happened? <laughs> no, right? Oh no, no. We're just Kenny. Every week, we're gonna have a. Uh, we're gonna we're, we're gonna give our musical guests a little more attention than we did. Good. In the past. Uh, and, are uh, you um, featuring anything from the trio this afternoon with Emmy Lou and uh, Dolly? 
Uh, no, no, no. No, I don't think that's any. I think these are all her single hits okay. that we're playing today. Uh, but uh, and Linda he, Ronstadt kicking off the Friday Fun Fest. You uh, also mentioned she's never been married. How about her and Johnny Cash doing I Will Never Marry? Yes. That's that a is really a famous good, yeah, uh, song on the song. Uh, Johnny, Ca- Johnny Cash show. Very uh I, I saw it. I didn't I couldn't find a real good copy of it, but it was a weeper. Everybody yeah. was weeping yep. and then of course in retrospect she never did get married and I read the Playboy interview with her and she said Anytime you marry, you have to give up some some control. And she said, I'm not going to give up any control. She's a hell of a musician. One of my favorites. Yeah, fantastic. Linda Ronstadt, today's musical guest. We'll be back with another one of your favorites, Kenny. Brandon Lang, Las Vegas tout, will tell us. Will tell us how he had the Super Bowl right, and the rest of you saps didn't know anything. Brandon Lang. He's better than good. He's golden. How you doing, sir? Man, it's been a good week, brother. It's been uh <laughs> it's been about as good as it can get, man. I released the Super Bowl pick Super Week on Monday, earliest I've ever released it. And decided to throw a college basketball play up there each day, just so if people bought the Super Bowl pick they could see I have a little bit of a college basketball opinion. Wouldn't you know it? I went seven and zero in college basketball last week too, so why not? Run nice I'm little ten and one college basketball run, fourteen and two my last sixteen and hit the Super Bowl. Prop bets, we had six out of ten. We had uh we had Nick Foles MVP, we had national anthem, I said white singers always go under, African American singers go over. That was a lot of a <laughs> lifetime was was the under in the Super Bowl national anthem. She went like one thirty seven. The total was two minutes. That was like stealing. Now uh, listen, Brad. We had Zach Ertz over five and a half receptions. First sack would be by Philadelphia, first score of the game would be a field goal. So all in all, brother, it was a good day in the Langer Banger household. <laughs> hey, Brandon, when the when the, somebody starts singing the anthem, you know in the first five seconds if you're going to be over or under, right? And yeah, Pink, you do. You Pink jumped right into it. First few notes, like we're going to be here for a while. So uh, I've actually met Pink a couple times in Vegas, and uh, she's a sweetheart, and she made me a little five hundo on the national anthem. <laughs> I have to buy a little cocktail when I see her in Vegas. And uh, she uh, she belted it out too, man. Now the last few notes they couldn't have carried it uh, twenty seconds, but she uh, she did pretty good. Now did you uh, did you like the Eagles uh, on the, with the points or on the money line too? I called from outright. And it's a funny story about my wife. I, I, my final score was thirty three twenty seven, and my wife goes, "That's not enough points for Philadelphia." I go, "What are you talking about?" She goes. Remember, she's been with me 14 years. She's yeah. seen it all, heard it all. And she said, they just scored 38 against the number one defense in the NFL. I go, it was 31. They got a defensive touchdown. She says, well, you don't think they're going to get a defensive touchdown against Brady? <laughs> I go, I don't know. She goes, if they got 38 against Minnesota and you said New England's defense is a sieve, you might want to put something in the 40s there. I'm like, okay, go away. So she goes away. So I had 33-27. I was thinking about adding seven to each. would have been 40-34. Now I almost nailed it three times perfect. I missed it a point three times. I had to hear her nagging me saying, I got you to 40. I would have had you to 40-34 if you had just listened to me. So instead, our anniversary is on Valentine's Day. So I went out and bought our brand-new Volvo SUV. So she's pretty happy about that. <laughs> so, okay, Brandon. Uh, the wife, was she uh, was she a novice when she started, and now she's become a, a, as a, a savant just like yeah, you? Yeah, she's, she's pretty dialed in now, but she had no idea what I did. And over the years, she has taken an interest in it, and and, um, and and rightly so. I tell my friends, man, happy wife, happy life. So if she's happy, 
that's all that matters. She can pretty much go do whatever you want as long as she's happy. So she's a good girl, uh, pretty happy for her husband to hit the Super Bowl. She said it was the, 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 the most calm I've ever been uh, in the 14 years she's known me. That's how much the right side of the game I thought Philadelphia was. Well, uh, and the only thing that uh, could have beaten you is if uh, New England had gotten the ball a little later and maybe scored with a minute to go because they were, they, were, they were not going to stop the Eagles. Yeah, it's funny you say that. Um, as as much as the right side of the game was on Philadelphia, and, and I and I tried to tell people at Ray, I did like I met you guys at Radio Row. I did about sixty interviews on Radio Row, and they go, "Why do you love Philadelphia so much?" And I go, "I just watched Nick Foles go twenty six of thirty three for three fifty two and three touchdowns and no turnovers against the number one defense in the NFL." I don't think New England's defense is very good. So Nick, I'm not worried about Nick Foles. Nick Foles, uh, Nick Foles is going to have a day. I said, as long as Nick Foles does what he does and the offensive and defensive line of, of the Eagles do what they did against Minnesota, they're going to beat New England. I'm telling you right now, Minnesota was legit. Their defense was legit. And I've just watched a garbage Jacksonville team go up and down the field on New England in New England. So listen to me. Nick Foles is going to be fine. Now, with all that being said, and as much as New England, as Philadelphia was covering the number the whole game, I will go to my grave saying, when Doug Peterson went for it on fourth and three with five and change from his own 45-yard line, I turned to 12 people at a Super Bowl party and said, if they don't get this, this is going to be 2004 all over again. They're going to be down by eight with about two and change, and we're going to need a back door. So you better, whatever God you believe in right now, Muhammad, Elijah, whoever, Easter Bunny, but start praying to him right now. They picked this up. Well, and they hit Ertz for the first down. I was like, thank you, God, because I'm telling you, you said it. They don't get it there. Brady scores in two and a half minutes. It's now an eight-point game, and now you need a backdoor. So at the end of the day, it just goes to show you, as much as Philly is the right side, it is never in the bag with Super Bowls, brother. Well, uh, Brandon, we talked about this last week. The uh, problem with a lot of teams has been they've been afraid to beat uh, New England, but uh, this team wasn't afraid to beat them. They went, as you said, they went for it on fourth and two, fourth and three, whatever it was. And you know, Peterson knew he had to beat them. He he he, he wasn't going to hold on. He knew he had to beat them. Yeah, much like I told people when the Giants beat the Patriots twice, I said Tom Coughlin outcoached Bill Belichick badly. And he did, and that's why they beat him twice. The job Coughlin did when they beat the 18-0 and Patriots, Belichick, you know, to use the line from the movie Hoosiers, Belichick got caught watching the paint draw on the picket fence <laughs> against the Giants both times. And I'm going to tell you something right now. I don't know what game people were watching on Sunday, but Doug Peterson outcoached Belichick on a level I haven't seen in quite some time. He threw some stuff at Belichick that he was not ready for, and that whole little Belichick mantra, do your job, you better go to the car wash, Bill, and scrub some cars there, big fella. <laughs> hey, uh, Brandon Lang's with us, BrandonLang.com. Check it out. Uh, Brandon, uh, the Belichick not going for it on a fourth and a foot right off the bat was kind of stupid. I couldn't figure that out to save my life. I, I, I say it all the time. People put him on such a high pedestal, and... I don't. I really don't. He plays in a watered-down division, gets to play Buffalo, the Jets, and Miami twice a year. There's six games right there you can toss out the door. They get home field advantage pretty much every year in the playoffs. They've only played six road games in in the Brady-Belichick era, so they never go on the road and have to win. And then when he marches to the Super Bowl, every Super Bowl he plays in, he wins a close Super Bowl. Everyone everyone he's won has been close. Doesn't blow anybody out. So before we put him up on this pedestal, let's take a step back and say he suspends Malcolm Butler right before the National Anthem. He doesn't even have the, 
the, the etiquette to do it three hours before the game. His ego tells him he can win the game without Malcolm Butler, and I really believe that in the middle of that game when he realizes he needs Malcolm Butler, he then at that point can't put him in because then he's going to have to answer 8 million questions on why he didn't start Malcolm Butler. <laughs> so he got himself caught in a, a horrible little web of deceit and revenge and, and just being the, the, the you know, excuse my French, the jerk that he is. So what, uh, what, what's the inside uh, info on uh, Butler? You know. He, uh, he arrived a day late. With the team arrived, he arrived a day later. Um, he was a little under the weather, and they thought that was he was partying down with, with, with friends and family before he got there. He was insubordinate to a couple of coaches. Um, he's always had a little bit of temper and that they've dealt with, but he was insubordinate to a couple of coaches. He had a terrible week of practice in Belichick. He said, you know what, I'm God. You're not, and, and, and this is what I'm going to do. And Belichick is so deceitful. And he did this to another player. People don't realize this. About three years, one of their Super Bowls, he uh, deactivated a player three hours before the game and told the player, I'm not even going to address you. And the player had to go up in the stands with six of his family members and watch the game. He's not a nice guy, Belichick. He's not. I've had friends that have caddied for him that says he's a real real piece of work, man. <laughs> Brandon Lang is with us. So college basketball. Does Duke get over bet or under bet? Uh, I'm a I'm a Duke hater from way back. I can't stand them, but uh, I'm just one of those guys that can't stand every. They get every call and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, what, well, do do, do people over? Because I also think he's the most overrated college basketball coach in history. <laughs> he does less with more talent than any coach in America. Simple as that. And uh, I'll tell you what, they're they don't play no defense whatsoever. They're probably going to get knocked out in the round of 32, which is going to make you extremely happy. Um, <laughs> He's as big a hypocrite as anybody there ever was, saying he's never going to take a one-and-done. And when Calipari's cleaning up, Krzyzewski says, well, I better take the one-and-done now. Now he and takes more than anybody. Done. What's that? Now he takes all of them. He gets oh, more he takes, than anybody. Uh, he takes all of them. He's, he's, he's a sellout. You know, but listen, he's got to wake up in the morning and deal with that acne problem he's had his whole life. He looks like the moon, for crying out loud. So Coach <laughs> Kidd, good luck, buddy. All right. What uh, Last night, uh, so did they get – do they get overbet? Do they are they always a couple of points higher than the game should be or what? Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> the, the three teams in college basketball that are overvalued and have been overvalued for years are North Carolina, Duke, and Kentucky. And every year you're going to pay an extra couple points if you're laying wood. Now early in the season, Duke was cleaning up on their non-conference uh, opponents, but once they've gotten into ACC play, they I mean they went up to Boston College as a 14-point road favorite and lost outright. How bad a line is that? So I always tell people, you go against Duke on the road. He's got, listen, he's got a really young basketball team that doesn't play defense, doesn't lock down defensively, and they, they have breakdowns. When you play good teams, that's going to cost a ton of talent. Bagley Jr.'s a stud. Uh, Trayvon Duvall, great little point guard. They just turn the ball over too much, and they don't play defense. And if you're going to advance in the tournament, you've got to lock down and play D. So if I look at BrandonLang.com right now, I can uh, figure out how to contact you guys and get a couple of good games for tonight. Absolutely. Um, I always have that one-day free all-access pass up there, so if you go to the site for the first time, you just click on that, and you get the whole day free. You get like 10 best bets free today. Meet my handicappers, read their analysis, see what they're talking about. And uh, like I said, I'm on a 14-2 and college basketball run, and it's uh, of those 14 winners, 11 have been underdogs that have won the whole game. So I'm pretty dialed in in, in college hoop right now, which is a good thing with March Madness right around the corner. All right. We'll talk to you before then, sir. I look forward to that. Thank you, sir. Go Eagles. And, uh, All right. Congratulations.
I appreciate that. Thanks a lot, brother. All right. Brandon Lang, our guy. He is now our guy, Brandon Lang, Manny. Yes, I 100% agree Belichick can't coach and Krzyzewski can't coach. He's a man after my own heart. I, I, I bet you your your eyes lit up when he started saying, <laughs> talking about that. With, with Overrated Kennedy. guy. I wonder if he's on in, like, Raleigh, if it's a different story, if he's if he thinks I, I just when he taken. Was, when he was talking about. Mike Krzyzewski, I could just picture you just start to grin from <laughs> ear to ear. Yep, it's, uh, I'm going to bring a mirror next time I have mine so I can see myself smiling. <laughs> All right. All right, we shall return. This is the Friday Fun Fest. It's back and uh, with a wonderful musical guest today, Linda Ronstead. I don't know if I'll be back next week, boys. I might become a full-time BrandonLang.com gambler for a living. The hell with the rest of us. I like to call him 401k Brandon Lang <laughs> yeah, is what I like to call him. Free money. 14-2 and two college basketball. Wow. And he says Krzyzewski's overrated, so he's a man after my own heart. <laughs> he says he's a hypocrite. He's a hypocrite. Yes! I've been saying it for years. Well, I do. I do remember. Remember in the NCAA tournament a couple of years ago, they got Duke got knocked out by Oregon, and yes. Dylan Brooks had threw up that like that crazy three when the game was mm-hmm. already over, and and Krzyzewski got mad. He like yeah. chewed him out in the handshake after the game, and, and he then, pointed at him. I remember yeah, he that. pointed at him and said something like, "You're a better basketball player," or something like that. <laughs> and then they asked him about it after the game. Oh, he said, "No, no I didn't no. say that. Oh, I didn't I did say, say that." No, but, he yeah. is. He's a liar. Yeah, <laughs> he's a liar. Uh, here is Reavers with a sports update. Thank you, Patrick. And this report is brought to you by the Exergen Temporal Scanner Thermometer. Ready for a bad cold and flu season? A cold is a cold, but the flu brings fever. Be prepared with the Exergen Temporal Scanner Thermometer, backed by medical professionals everywhere. We've got controversy. Team, Team USA speed skater Shawnee Davis sat out today's Winter Olympics opening ceremony in Pyeongchang. A day earlier, Davis had vented his frustration over a coin flip, costing him the opportunity to carry the United States flag during the event's Parade of Nations march. He shredded Team USA's tiebreaker rules, saying the position was dishonorably decided. He says, I'm an American, and when I won the 1,000 meter in 2010, I became the first to two-peat in that event, he wrote on Twitter. He added that he can wait until 2022 and included a hashtag Black History Month 2018 hashtag. The vote was decided 4-4, four to four, and then they flipped a coin to decide who would bear the flag, and he was very upset with it. Um, if you want to personal, how about pick. any events we can spoil any results? Are uh, you ready, sir? Tonight? I am ready. All right. Prime time preview. We've got curling results so okay. far today. Curling how, results. How have we done? The U.S. Uh, how we we have doing? we haven't done very good, Patrick. Uh-oh. We lost early. Our first matchup was against Switzerland. This boys or girls? This boys would girls. be mixed doubles, sir. Oh, mixed doubles. Mixed I think, doubles. Well, I think those are Minnesotans, aren't they? The mixed doubles. I know the men's team for sure is Minnesotans because we okay. had the guy on the beer show. Well, throw them out there. And in case somebody's interested, we want to spoil their fun. The United States lost to Switzerland 9-4. to How could we do that? Uh, Switzerland's basically the birthplace of curling. Yes, it's it okay is. okay to lose to them. Uh, we also lost to the Republic of Korea 9-1 to in mixed doubles 
curling today. Well, in other words, uh, it's, uh, it's it's pretty well all over for our mixed doubles team. Uh, I think we can kiss that one goodbye. When uh, you lose to Korea, for God's sakes, they don't even they, they don't even know which direction to point when they're throwing the rock. Canada beat uh, the People's Republic of China ten to four. Russia beat Finland seven to five. Norway. Okay, that's enough. We don't care. All we care about is the we US. just care we about do. us. We just want to spoil USA. That is the now. first prime time preview on the <laughs> yeah, Friday Fun even, Fest. We don't have many events yet. Then, Not huh? yet. No. Later today, let's see what do we got here. Later today, we've got alpine skiing, we got figure skating, we got freestyle skiing, and luge. Our first men's single luge later today, sir. Patrick, Boy. do you have Brandon's address? I just drained half my 401k. I'm going to send him a check. I am I got under, it, baby. I'm, I got contacts. Oh my God, I'm under his spell. I just, everything he says speaks right to my heart. 14 and 2 in college basketball since the Super Bowl. If we just rode him in the Super Bowl in this week, we'd already be retired. None of us would be here today. Usually when a guy tells me he's a genius, I get offended and walk away with Brandon. I want to just I want to jump into his lap. <laughs> Wait, well, the uh the overtures are for more appearances have already been t- made. Good. Us, guys. Good. So, Good. All right. The Vikings introduced John D. Filippo to be the team's next offensive coordinator. The 39-year-old interviewed with Vikings general manager Rick Spielman and coach Mike Zimmer in Philadelphia following the Eagles' Super Bowl parade yesterday. Uh, he was the Browns' offensive coordinator under Mike Pettin in 2015. Pettin now the Packers' defensive coordinator. Uh, he was the Eagles' quarterbacks coach the past two seasons. D. Filippo beat out Vikings quarterbacks coach Kevin Stefanski, who was thought to be the team's other leading candidate to replace Pat Shermer. The He's over- going to the yep. uh, Jer- Joining Shermer, it looks That's like, the now. big rumor is that now Stefanski will join Shermer to be the Giants' next offensive coordinator. Uh, Stefanski has been with the Vikings since, since 2006. And go for hoops, trying to make us proud with a victory at Assembly Hall tonight. Yes. Go get him, fellas. All right, thank you. Yeah, you got to work on that. Got the what's going on right yeah, now. that's pretty weak. Jimmy Garoppolo talking. Who's he talking with there, Sean McVay? Uh, no, he's talking with uh, Kyle Shanahan. That was right oh, before oh, his that's first right. game. Oh, right. Wrong team. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, right before his first game with the 49ers, his jersey sleeves were too long, and he's like, yeah, I got I to gotta fix the jersey sleeves. I got I got a Sam Bradford thing going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, this is uh, quite a reward. Jimmy Garoppolo is in New England. Apparently, Belichick wants to keep him around, figure out a way to keep him uh uh, happy and uh, and around as to I don't know as Brady's backup. Uh, you think he could you know phase out Brady? I don't think he could have phased him out completely. Anyway, he ends up Robert Kraft insists apparently that he trade him to trade him. He gets a uh, so he trades him to San Francisco, gets a second rounder, and if uh, if if what happened at the end of this year is any indication. Maybe next year when the Patriots go back to the Super Bowl, they'll be playing San Francisco. Yeah. Garoppolo went 5-0, and came in, and San Francisco's had a reasonable defense. They were terrible. Garoppolo comes in, wins his last five games, 
they let him sit for a month, right? And everybody got kind of upset. Why is it he was playing? Least a, Why is yeah, he it was playing? at least a couple of games that he that he yeah. had to sit before uh, before they put him out but, there. But uh, it proved to be a good strategy because I guess they wanted him to learn the offense. But do you think, uh, fellas, that they might be taking a small sample size here by giving the guy $137 million for five years? Not all of it guaranteed, but what, 90 is guaranteed, right? Yeah, well, I, I, I heard, I saw 74, I thought, okay. but it, it, could be, it could be different. He gets I'm not 90 sure. the first three years of the deal. Yeah. So, and if he sticks around. But uh, Garoppolo ends up. And uh, sadly, my dear friend Ron Borges from the Boston Herald, I uh, knew him well as a Globe guy, and uh, he's a, he's a uh, what should I say, very aggressive reporter, mm-hmm. a character, big boxing guy, you know, did a lot of boxing stuff in his day and a lot of football stuff, was the Globe's football guy for a while. He ran into some difficulty at the Globe, I don't know what, but uh, Ronnie, he ended up going over the Herald, well, some guy, somebody on uh, the internet who didn't like him, Borges got his sent his cell phone. I got his cell phone out there publicly for a while. Some guy picked it up, got the cell phone, and started communicating with him as though he was Garoppolo's, uh, or as though he was uh, uh, Brady's agent. Is it? I e? think it was Brady's agent. Yes. Brady's agent. E. Right. Don E. Yes. Or something. So he started communicating with them, and they were exchanging uh, text, and and uh, Ron thought he was dealing with him. And uh, so now he, uh, apparently when Garoppolo signs his contracts, he texts Ron, Ron that, uh, that Brady was not going to uh, report to minicamp if uh, Garoppolo was making more money than him. And the Boston Herald blew it into a big story, and uh, it turned out then uh, was it... Uh, the guy was working with Deadspin, basically, yes. or something. Yep. He was working with Deadspin, and uh, so it blew up. And the, the Herald pulled the story off its website, and uh, and I think Ron's problem with it is he said sources. Uh, he when he the story the story was uh, uh, quoting sources, thinking that uh, he was talking to Don Yee. I don't. This could end up costing him his job. I I don't know. But uh, they, uh, you know, the, the gotcha, uh, the gotcha journalism is, uh, you know, if you're in the print business, you're kind of one of the last outfits out there that people don't like because you're writing stuff about their team with a little hard edge to it. And uh, there, there's some guys that uh, this is going to become, now that Borges got cut, this is going to become a more popular uh, enterprise by people trying to get back at the sports writers they don't like. Well, and that's why I I'm, thought... I'm safe from it because I'm not a scoop guy. I don't, you know, if somebody sends me a text, I'll pass it along to somebody else, you know. And that's when, Pat, when I saw this story emerge, you know, earlier today, I thought, well, this is just going to start a trend, don't you think? I mean, maybe not to this magnitude. Get your, if people can get your text, your cell phone out there, uh, you know, and start sending you private messages and stuff. I mean, I worked with a guy once that tweeted out a cell phone number of a coworker of ours, and that poor guy got texts from everybody and calls from everybody for days upon days. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that that's true. And I, I don't know if mine's out there in the world, but I don't. If somebody sends me something like that, I just, you know. I might say, hey, somebody told me on the I might throw it out in the radio. You yeah. know, what the I, hell? I don't think. You know, 
and without saying, "Hey, this may be true, it might not be," you right. know. But uh, as far as going to print with it, that's that's not what I do. You know, I'm not a scoop guy. I don't so know I if don't. Manny's familiar with that story, Patrick. Should we we should probably entertain him. But uh, former producer Corey Roofs, Patrick accidentally tweeted out his cell phone number and. Corey was uh, Corey was ambushed with. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, what was what was that? Was that why did I do? Was I just sending it to him? I think you you thought you well, were sending a direct I was message direct to somebody. Messaging to somebody. Yeah. Right, and you accidentally <laughs> sent it out That's as right. a tweet. Yes. And Manny, just to show you what kind of coworkers the Rook and I are, oh, Rook and no. I decided to call Corey from every phone number in this building just because his phone wouldn't stop ringing. It was, uh, I forgot about that. Oh, Luckily, my God. I'm, I got uh, long-term memory loss, so I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, I remember that. I, I did one the other day. I, I did another one of those the other day. I direct messaged somebody, and I looked in my Twitter feed a half hour later, and it says, Thanks, I'll get back to you. You know, it was like my tweet, something like that. Oh. Yeah, that's right. I stuck old Ruffsy out there. But, God, that uh, was funny. Oh. And he's like, Who's calling me from in the building? And I'm looking at Ruff nine feet away, and he's got this smirk on his face. Oh, yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty yeah. fun. Wow. Well, this is not Borges. Uh, was a is, is a a great writer, but Borges's most famous, I think, column in Boston was, he's always feuded with Belichick. He can't stand Belichick, which I couldn't blame anybody who covers him for not uh, not uh, not liking the not guy, liking yeah. the guy. But his when uh, when Brady took over in two thousand one, and then Bledsoe was healthy. And Ron wrote a famous column in Boston about you got to go back to Bledsoe. You oh. can't play this guy. Oh you know? no. Kind of like when my friend McFeely wrote the column, you can't play Carson Wentz in the national championship game. He's been hurt. You got to go with Easton Stick, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) He tweeted that out this year when Wentz was having that five-touchdown game on Monday night. McFeely tweeted out. He says, I still say. Right. They should have I'm sticking to my guns. I'm sticking to my game. I'm sticking with that. Well, I hope Ronnie uh, survives this, but uh, you know when you when you make enemies, and I made a few, they're gonna uh, if they got a chance to get you, they're gonna get. Well, you. Well, not to mention this is the second one in just a couple of weeks. You know, with the with the W E E I story, I don't know if that's where you started with this. You know, the 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 guy that lost his job over the the comments towards but Brady's he daughter. was an idiot. I mean, he that's was, true. Yeah, he that's was, true. He did lose his job. Yeah, he did get terminated. You know, okay. he he made a smart ass remark about a five eight five year old. I mean, that's that's a that's, lot different than yeah, this. Yes, it is. Yes, yes, it is. But uh, yeah, but it does prove to you that you shouldn't be too righteous when somebody else gets caught. Yes, because you, know? uh, you could be next. Who knows? You know, maybe. Maybe you guys have been taping me in that studio all these years. Oh, and, my uh, God. <laughs> and uh, someday I'm going to do something to offend you, and that'll be the end. And you know what? It'll the only thing is, over. if we had those tapes, we're all going down. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. We'll be back this day in history. Page was a legendary storyteller and one of the most entertaining pitchers in baseball history. A tall, lanky fireballer, he was arguably the Negro League's hardest thrower, most colorful character, and greatest gate attraction. In the 1930s, the well-traveled pitcher barnstormed around the continent, baffling hitters with creatively named pitches such as the Bat Dodger and the Hesitation Pitch. 
Satchel Paige, on this day in history, in 1971, he became the uh, first player from the Negro Leagues, you know, who, whose primary career was in the Negro Leagues to uh, be inducted into the, the Hall of Fame or to be chosen to be inducted into the Hall of Fame on this day in history, 1971. The great uh, Satchel Paige, who, of course, uh, by the time the baseball integrated, he was already 40 years old. Yeah. He ended up pitching till he was 47, but uh, one of the great characters of all time, and everyone who faced him said it was real, and uh, Satchel Paige, uh, of course, also uh, had some of the greatest quotes of all time. What's the one about angers? It angers your blood, man. That's the one that, uh, that was my favorite, but... Not eating fried foods, they angry the blood or something like that. <laughs> he had some unbelievable quotes. Age is a question of mind over matter. If you don't mind, it doesn't matter. I ain't ever had a job. I just always played baseball. I don't generally like running. I believe in training by rising gently up and down from the bench. I never rush myself. See, they can't start the game without me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I, I use my single wind-up, my double wind-up, my triple wind-up, my hesitation wind-up, my no wind-up. I also use my step and pitch it, my submariner, my side armor, and my bat dodger. Man's got to do what he's got to do. If a man can beat you, walk him. <laughs> it's funny what a few no-hitters do for a body, he said. Wow. My my feet ain't got nothing to do with my nickname. But when folks get in, a, in their heads that a feller's got big feet, soon the feet start looking big. <laughs> uh, the only change is that baseball has turned Paige from a second-class citizen into a second-class immortal. Uh, the great Satchel Paige on this day in history became the first of the Negro League players to uh, be chosen for induction into the Hall of Fame. Never met him. I wish I had. <laughs>